Today's scripture reading is Psalm 126 from the Voice Translation. Remember when the Eternal brought back the exiles to Zion? It was as if we were dreaming. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues were spilling over into song. The world went out across the prairies and deserts, across the hills, over the oceans wide, from nation to nation. The Eternal has done remarkable things for them. We shook our heads. All of us were stunned. The Eternal has done remarkable things for us. We were beyond happy, beyond joyful. And now, Eternal One, some are held captive and poor. Release them and restore our fortunes as the dry riverbeds of the south spring to life when the rains come at last. Those who walk the fields to sow, casting their seed in tears, will one day tread those same long rows, amazed by what's happened or what's appeared. Those who weep as they walk and plant with sighs will return singing with joy when they bring home the harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Um, for those of you who I haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet, my name is Emily Schoenfelder, uh, she, her, and they have asked us to kind of do a little bit of a bio. Not really sure what to say, but I have been at Imago for about three and a half years, I think. Um, I like to cook, I practice yoga, I work with kids. Um, I am an Enneagram 5 and an INTJ, if those mean anything to you. Um, and I think that mostly they mean that I'm a really big introvert. Like, I'm the kind of person who has to um, really work myself up to leave my house where I live alone in order to go be amongst people. Um, so naturally, they asked me to speak this morning on community. <laughs> Our community directive states, we believe that spiritual formation happens in the context of intentional relationships that may take many forms. Um, and when I first, or when I guess I reread this, um, as I started planning, I was kind of amazed by the breadth of this, right? Like it is a really broad um, directive. And as I started trying to think through scripture that was related to this, I realized that that's really broad too. We have tons of examples in the Bible of how we are supposed to engage in community starting with the creation story where we are told that God created Eve because it was not good for Adam to be alone. We hear about uh, Jesus and how he was very intentional in the way that he formed his disciple group to teach with him and travel with him. Uh, we have the book of Acts that shows us how the early Christians just fully did life together as they struggled through trying to figure out how to set up this new church. Um, and Paul tells us over and over and over how we're supposed to love each other well. But um, amidst, as I kind of struggled to edit all of this, I'm sorry, this is, am I doing something that is making this noisy? Oh, do you want me to speak louder? I can do that. Okay, I'm sorry, I can do that. Okay, so as I kind of struggled through... Um, the breadth of this scripture possibility. I really had a hard time finding something that would be able to, to bring us into like a cohesive message, which you may find out in a minute. Um, but I kept getting pulled back to the story of the woman at the well. So the, the woman at the well, I reread this story in the message translation, and there were uh, several details that kept jumping out at me 
as I read the story that I'd never noticed before. And so um, we're going to focus a little bit on that. And so for those of you who don't know the story, I encourage you to read it. It's in John 4, 1 through 30. Um, but the Cliffs Notes version is this. So Jesus was traveling with his disciples. They were going through Samaria, and Jesus stopped to rest at a well while his disciples went on into town. And so um, as he was sitting there, a Samaritan woman came to the well to fetch water, and he asked her for a drink. And she was really taken aback by this, so much so that she said, like, why are you speaking to me? Um, because Samaritans and Jews, they weren't really supposed to mingle. And so um, Jesus told her that if she knew who he was, she would be asking him for a drink because he could provide living water, water that meant she would never get thirsty again. And as they kind of continued this conversation, it was revealed that this woman was maybe um, kind of a woman of disrepute in the community. In verses 16 through 18, um, it says, Jesus said, go call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put, I have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Now, we never really learned the backstory to this, but this revelation kind of clarifies some other things in the story. Namely that this woman is there alone. Um, she's at the well at, in the middle part of the day, with no one else to kind of help her pass the time or help her schlep water back. Um, and we can, con we can deduce from that that she was kind of intentionally avoiding people, right? Most women came to get water in the cooler parts of the day in the morning or the evening. And because she was there in the middle, it seems like she was trying not to interact with people. And we don't know why that is. It might have been because other people were um, so cruel and judgmental that it was easier for her to suffer through the heat than it was for her to um, to be there while they were ridiculing her. Um, it might be that she just felt ashamed. We really don't know. Um, but what we do know is that Jesus knew her situation. He knew who this woman was already, and he chose to offer her love. He didn't give her a cold shoulder. He didn't give her pity. He gave her relationship. And I think that that is one thing that we at Imago um, have chose, chosen to do too. We stand with people on the margins, right? And I think we do this pretty well, or at least we strive to do this well. We see it by the fact that we are constantly trying to make our space more inclusive, more open and affirming, more anti-racist. We have um, ministries like Breakfast Club and Supporting Lula that help reaffirm the dignity of people experiencing homelessness while we try and meet their needs. We have the Honduras team that goes down to our friends who are living in unimaginable poverty just to be able to hold their stories and to remind them that they are loved and they are remembered. And so we find ways to try and love people that may not be able to find love in other spaces. And that's huge. But that's not where the story of the woman at the well ends. Um, their conversation continues, and she begins asking questions about the differences between Jews and Samaritans. And so starting in verse 23, Jesus says, but the time is coming, it has in fact come, when what you're called will not matter, and where you go to worship will not matter. 
It's who you are and the way that you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him. God is sheer being, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. He's saying that authenticity matters. It matters to God. Showing up as your whole self, as your true self, is important. And so we try and create space for this too. And we do this in several ways. We have small groups and suppers for six, even our sermon discussions on Sunday mornings, where people can get to know the thoughts and insights of other people, and we can be known in return. We want people to show up as themselves, not only because they have all of that to offer to God, but because every single one of us is created in the image of God. Um, Every single one of us has something that is unique, that reveals the nature of who God is to the rest of our community. Um, God is, is too big and too mysterious to understand, and your divine spark can help reveal that nature to the rest of us. It's one more piece of the puzzle. Um, I, I have to admit that authenticity is not something that I'm good at, especially in church. Growing up, I learned that you really only bring your shiniest self to church. Um, now, our church wasn't overly strict. It wasn't really fear-based, but it had really subtle ways of making sure that everybody stayed on their best behavior. And I was driving back from Formation Community last night, and I was reminded of another church retreat that I went to. I was in my early 20s um, that was kind of a good example of, like, these subtle behaviors. So at the time, I was um, working for a church, and my pastor, the boss, um, he strongly encouraged me to go on this retreat. So I probably wasn't in the best mindset to start off with. Um, And I should say that there were some really amazingly beautiful things about this retreat. Um, They let us know all of the people who were praying for us for the entire weekend. They had sought out letters from um, people who were close to us that they gave us throughout the weekend to encourage us. It was, there were some things that were really moving. Um, But I also remember that the first hour we were there, we were sitting around having a table discussion, and somebody um, stated an opinion. I didn't remember it being controversial at all, um, but just stated an opinion kind of honestly and bluntly. And the table leader said something like, well, I guess we found who our prophet is. And at the time, I read that kind of like saying, oh, well, bless your heart, right? Like, sounds like a compliment, but really it's like a verbal gut punch, right? And I learned very quickly that this wasn't a place that I could be honest at, right? It wasn't a big thing, but it was a very clear message. And I was thinking about that because my experience at Formation Community has been so different from that. And if you have not done formation communities, or if you have not, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with what they are, I strongly encourage them. It is a series of eight retreats over the course of two years, so it's like once a quarter. Uh, and you go with a cohort of other people, and you just learn new tools to connect more deeply with God, or in different ways with God. It's an amazing thing. 
Um, but there also is a very deliberate structure set up in formation communities that is designed to encourage vulnerability, right? It is a structure that is designed to create a safe space for people to share. It's really intentional about allowing people to practice authenticity. And it's so moving because um, in our group, I have found that every time we meet, I learn something new from the other people in our group because of their insights and the things that they can bring to the table and what they share. And every time I come to the group, I love these people more and more, not in spite of the struggles that they've had, but because of them. And I feel that in return. And that is such a liberating space to be in. I think Brene Brown, she talks about authenticity a lot. And she says, to be authentic, we must cultivate the courage to be imperfect and vulnerable. We have to believe that we are fundamentally worthy of love and acceptance just as we are. I've learned that there is no better way to invite more grace, gratitude, and joy into our lives than by mindfully practicing authenticity. And so we try and do that here too. And there's just one more detail that really stood out to me in this scripture. It was verse 27, and it says, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked. They couldn't believe that he was talking with that kind of woman. No one said what they were thinking, but their faces all showed it. And I kind of love this. This is a detail that I hadn't ever picked up on when reading this story before. And I don't love that the disciples like showed their judgmental faces and caused this woman to leave. Um, but I love that they didn't say anything. Because to me, it seems like they were practicing behaviors that would make Jesus proud right? They were, they didn't quite get it right, but they were practicing um, behaving like Jesus would want them to. And I think that being in community gives us a chance to do this all the time. Even in our everyday, um, tiny little interpersonal interactions, we get to practice behaving in a manner that makes Jesus proud. Um, and I loved the song that we sing, Putting on Christ Like a New Skin, I think speaks to that perfectly. And I have been so inspired by so many Imagwans who I see do this on a daily basis. People who try to respond thoughtfully instead of just reacting immediately. People who try to build consensus rather than just what's doing what's best for them. Um, and people who apologize sincerely when they get it wrong. Uh, for me, usually that means that when somebody's a jerk, I just try not to be a jerk back. Sometimes I manage it, sometimes I don't. Um, but being in community teaches me that I don't always get to react in a way that would feel good. And I think that effort is formative because it requires that we're calling on the love of God to share with somebody else. I know that I don't always have that love just in me to be able to not, like, want to punch that guy in the face. Um, so we have to connect with God in order to share that love. And I think that that is powerful and that is formative. Um, I was just sharing out in the hall that I wear a mask that says, be kind. And I don't do it, like, to encourage other people. It is solely to encourage me because I know that I can't behave like a jack wagon when I'm wearing a mask that says, be kind. Um, and I was also sharing that sometimes I deliberately don't wear it because I know I cannot meet that standard. Like, I am in a bad mood. I know I can't do it. I put on a paper mask. Um, but we are all being formed 
by community all of the time. And we talk a lot about how we are a messy church, and that is very true. But I think that that is solely because we lean in so heavily to community. It is our interactions with other people that make us messy. Things are never going to look right. They're never going to be perfect. Um, but that's okay because we as people are not always perfect. We're not ever perfect. Um, we all are a little bit broken. And we walk around with our broken parts sticking out in order to protect ourselves. Our disillusionment, our anger, our pride, our selfishness. All of these things are around us all of the time. But being in community regularly can act like sandpaper. It can start wearing those pieces down. It can start healing that a little bit. And that process is messy, but we keep leaning in. And I am going to turn it over to Linda and her crew. We're going to have a Q&A time so we can hear more about how community has impacted some other folks. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Laura and Sarah as they discuss our favorite, my favorite directive for this week, and it's on community. Um, did they get, they get the slide up? So I'll read it again. We believe at Imago that spiritual formation happens in the context of intentional relations that may take many forms. And Emily already talked about some of the ways here we at Imago do this. And I think there's probably many more ways we could do this, but um, it's a practice, right? Okay. Um, how about each of you introduce yourselves and how long you've been here? Sure. So I'm Laura Holmes. Um, I have been at Imago since we moved into this building, which was 2012. No, 20, it doesn't matter. We've been here since this building became Imago. Um, and um, we came when our daughters were. Um, middle schoolers, and there were no middle schoolers here at this church, and we were um, sure that we were ruining them um, because there were no other friends for them to have here, and this was the first place that they talked about what happened at church outside of church, so we knew that this was the place that we needed to be. My husband Boyd and I have been here almost a year now. Uh, I connected uh, at, during Advent with the Advent study. Uh, I'm here because one specific person, um, uh, my friend, who saw my pain and struggle from the church that I had, had been part of and kept inviting me and said, sign up for this and sign up for that. And uh, it really connected us. Um, I grew up a United Methodist. Um, Went there as an infant and always have different churches from different times, uh, including um, we adopted four black children, and uh, we had a period where we went to the black United Methodist Church here in Peoria, which was its own unique experience. And, uh, and so anyway, uh, we were at a stage where we were looking uh, for a more, um, now what's the, that's the word, I just learned that word, uh, affirming. <laughs> Uh, affirming church. We were very much looking for another affirming church. And uh, so 
that's how we ended up here. And we love it. And we love having you here too, Sarah. Let's start with you, Sarah. Okay, what does this directive about community mean to you? Community is where we live out our faith. Um, um, we need uh, study. Uh, we need to study the Bible. We need to, uh, as Emily talked about, we need to bump into each other to grow in what we want to do. But after we do that, we need community. Uh, we need community to do ministry like Breakfast Club and Honduras and those kinds of things. We need community to learn. We need community to care for one another and, um, and walk with people. That's, a, that's one that's very st strong in my calling is to walk with people during hard times. And it, it's complex and it's big, but it's necessary. Okay, Laura. What does this directive of community mean to you? Well, I, well, I'm a pastor's kid, so I've been in church like forever, um, but for, for, before forever. Um, but church um, community has always been a safe place for me. I know there are a lot of people that have a lot of church hurt, um, but I'm a person who can attest to the fact that churches can be wonderful, wonderful places. They're still messy, of course, um, but they can be um, just the family that you may not have. Um, and one of the things that I think about the opportunities that we have for community are that it helps us to practice what we're going to be doing outside these walls. So when my girls were little, we would practice lots of things. We would practice going to the doctor and how you sit when you're going to be asked the questions and how you don't push the doctor's hands away when they try to do, you know, all the things. And we practiced that at home where it was safe and where they knew what was happening and we could answer questions. And then when we went out to the actual doctor's office, it was better than it could have been if we'd just gone in cold. So I think sometimes that the, the things that we do here in this building with our people are good ways to practice what we're going to be doing outside here so we can get our muscle memory in place so that when we go out and we can be more of um, the God with skin on to people out there. I love this. I love this week on our Imago page, someone posted that it's family. Imago is family. Our community here is like family. And I think that describes it perfectly all the joys and all the hurts that you have in your family, you can just bring them here and share them with more people. I love that. Okay, the next one is a little bit tougher, so we're gonna start with you, Laura. How have you seen this directive lived out right here at Imago? Okay, well, I think that this is one thing that we do really, really well. Um, we have lots of opportunities for people. Um, we have seven-minute opportunities every Sunday to try to um, help people connect. We have larger commitments like uh, small groups um, that are ongoing. We have small groups that are limited in scope. We have 
adult Sunday school classes. We have um, ministry opportunities, work opportunities, um, just lots of ways that you can slowly make small little connections with people. One of the first things that we did was we came and we worked at the Christmas um, breakfast club dinner and our girls washed dishes. That's what they did from start to finish of the time. And Holly Hamill was one of the people back there just chatting away with our girls. And it was a way that they felt that they had a friendly face that they were meeting. And so we, we do suppers for six. We have all of these things. And the COVID has screwed all of this all up. But it's going to end, and we will get back to it. And we'll be able to do all these amazing things. So we have formation communities. We do the outreach. We have Eat, Drinks, and Orthodoxy. There's, there's just no end of ways that you can make connections with people here at this church if you want. I think that's very true. And I think during the past year, our COVID year, we have missed out on all those opportunities. And, but I'm so thankful that we still had our service online that even if we couldn't see each other, we, we knew that we were all out there. We were all listening to the same service, the same music, and the love that our church has. So I'm really glad we had this. So what about you, Sarah? You're new. You haven't seen us as much. <laughs> I have not. I've heard a lot, though. Okay. <laughs> um, I... As we arrived, we came from a church that was very missionally um, organized. In fact, they had a team that would go to Honduras, and we were very involved in all of that. Um, um, my husband's specialty is children. He really likes children better than adults, <laughs> always has. And uh, so we got very involved um, at Irving School years ago with their choir and did a lot of things like that. Um, and then that the, uh, getting old uh, one, so that kind of went away. So coming here and seeing all these ministries was exciting because that is something that is very dear to our hearts. But right now, we aren't able to do a lot of those types of ministries simply because of our situation. Um, I, um, I see, I'll, I'll be very honest in this. And this is, I, this is a maybe slightly negative. It's messy. That's your word, right? Um, it is really hard to figure it all out here. Really hard to figure out where that is. We talk about them, but it's just really hard. I fortunately, my uh, friend uh, right away uh, tried to plug me in places, and that has helped a lot. And I, people have been very, very open and, um, and in, in, in our participation in what we can do. And... Um, in fact, I'm hosting a little, um, uh, okay, hot mess, hot mess sisters, <laughs> two, on Friday afternoons at my home, and for um, for those that cannot come on the e in the evening. So that's been kind of a new thing that I'm enjoying. So um, I, I I like all of it, and I'm going to figure it out someday. Maybe I'll die first. Who knows. <laughs> I love the comment that you made that Boyd loves children more than grown-ups because I now understand the connection between Boyd and Lewis because Lewis is just a grown-up child, right? Or a little child grown-up or whatever. 
And Boyd, that's just beautiful that, that we have provided you with our own special child. <laughs> that is lovely. I really like that. And I love the fact that she has started this Hot Mess Sisters 2, and they're enjoying it immensely. I have heard nothing but good reviews, and uh, we, we really appreciate that. It's nice to have an event during the daytime for the people who, just for one reason or another, don't want to be out at night. So it's, it's perfect. I love it. I love it. I love it that you willingly did this and stepped out. Okay, our next question is the hardest, as everyone has said in the past weeks. Um, how do you hope to see this community or this, um, this, this, this hope that we have to form connections and to form relationships with each other? How do you see that this could happen in the future? Maybe not necessarily in a better way, but maybe in a different way, you know, because we know that we've been changed by this pandemic. So how could we could relate to each other better? You're looking at me. I'm for, <laughs> it's me. I already told I told, you. You are the new, um, like, voice for us. <laughs> and I love new voices. Um, well, I'd have a directory for somebody to figure things out. That's what I would have. So that when you come in, um, I, I mean, this, these are practical things, but that's kind of where my brain goes. Um, you know, even the building, I have, I, I, you know, I had to ask finally one day where the restroom was, when you come in the building, you have no clue exactly. I think it's hard because of COVID, we, we don't approach people easily. They don't, you know, it, it, it has changed the, the complexion. People are extremely friendly and more than open. It's, that's not what I'm talking about. But I do think it would be really cool if you had a directory <laughs> so, that, so that you could kind of, um, you know, figure it out. Melinda very kindly went out to lunch with me to kind of help me figure out where I, I want to plug in as far as serving. And um, so that's, that would be the more practical um, I continue to, um, my heart is with, one, uh, is with caring for other people, caring for the pain that we suffer. I think that it's a real challenge, it's a challenge to the church to um, hold up the part of ministry that, that, that we are so proud and happy and called to do, like Breakfast Club and and jolt and all those kinds of things that I think sometimes we can get a little bit away from that one-on-one -on -one or that seeing these people. You know, this church is like every single solitary church I've been to. Uh, giving prayer concerns is so hard for people. And often, I always think of the person who comes into the church and they're in terrible pain. Even though I grew up in the church, we had a son at 17 who left and lived on the streets. And I had no idea where he was. And my heart was broken because I knew I was a good mother. <laughs> it didn't feel like it, though. And so uh, I went to, I actually went to a different church. And the, probably the first six months, I sat in a pew and they had tissues. So I knew I was safe and cried. <laughs> 
and um, I always so I always feel of that person, that person that comes wandering in, and the need for us to be that. And I think this church is very good at it. I'm not. It's not a complaint. It's just telling you a little about where my my view is, and that we are sure that we are walking with people and we are allowing them to be vulnerable. I think that's a really important piece in building community to supporting one another. You know, I, I, that's, that's just where, that's kind of like our life. <laughs> we kept taking in kids until I finally figured out on number four, the social worker wasn't really God. Beautiful, Sarah. I love that. And I would love to be known as the church that recognizes when people need us and when people need just a little helping hand. Love that. Okay, Laura, put you on the hot seat here. What do well, you think? I have a very long list. No, okay. I don't. No. Um, no, I, I think what, um, what I'm, so I teach fifth grade. And one of the things I'm seeing with my students is that we were in person all last year, but we had to do things modified. And it was strange and different. And now this year, we're still back in person, but we're trying to be as back to normal as we possibly can. And my little people just don't know what to do with themselves. And it's hard to get back into the rhythm of the way we used to do things. And I know that we will have to be altered um, in the way that we do things, but I know that it was really easy for me to stay home in my comfy pajamas under a blanket and watch the church service. Um, I'm a nine, so I love peace and comfort. Um, but I also know that sometimes the best thing in the world for me is to be a little bit uncomfortable and to get out and to do the thing that I'm just, uh, do I really want to go do that? Yes, when, that, when I have to, that little thought in my head, the answer is always, yes, you need to go do that. So I think seeing, you know, two-thirds of the faces that we get to see here with masks um, is so much better than just looking through a screen and so I encourage people, if you, if you have the wherewithal to come back, come back. We miss you. Um, and I think that getting back to seeing people is an important way to build some of that community. And if getting here is too hard, because um, those blankets are comfortable, and I understand. Um, but maybe challenge yourself to reach out to d two different people a week that maybe you haven't run into for a while and go to the We Are Imago page and message somebody or do something like that just to reach out to continue to build those little lines of connection and community with our people. Because we will get back, I promise, we will get back. And how much better will we be if we have continued to do that instead of trying to relearn how we all work together, if we've just continued to do that. So that's my Thank thing. Thank you. Thank you very much. And any ideas for things that any of you have that we could do to build community, let us know. Let anyone on any of the um, leadership team or formation team, ministry team, let them know what needs are so that we can develop something that will reach out to them. And we're just so thankful that all of you came out today and for all of you at home that are listening to us. Thank you.